Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. Amen. Well, now I'm really privileged to introduce a good friend of mine. Come up, Stuart. This is Pastor Stuart. (laughs) And he's been discipling our youth faithfully for a number of years here with us at Rosebank. And um, he really carries a passion to see young people discipled and to see them prosper and to see them move forward in life full of Jesus, full of hope so they can change the nation, so that we can harness all that energy and and amazing creativity and see good things happen. Um, And tonight, Stuart is going to be continuing with our our value series, and he'll tell you what he's talking about. But Stuart, I've been waiting for this all year, and I'm so excited that you are here tonight. And what I want you to do is open your hearts. And let him challenge us. Let him inspire us. Let the Lord come and tell you what he needs to tell you. Thank you so So much. So good, Stuart. All right, awesome. Thank you so much for uh, that intro, Greg. Um, uh, When Zilas came up to me and he saw the little little mic over here and he said, Oh, you're preaching today? And uh, I said, Yeah. He said, Oh, it's like Father Christmas. You want year once a year. (laughs) So it's not actually. It's... uh, it's that I'm, uh, most of the time I'm preaching up at youth and, and, and stuff like that. So it's great to be here now. They don't really let the youth pastor preach often because uh, apparently nobody understands Gen Z language. Uh, but that's cap. Uh, you know, let's say less because that's not going to send me because the uh, Holy Spirit is going to stand me, right? I mean, Jesus is gas, but the world is mid, right? All right, maybe I understand what they're saying, okay? So let me keep it simple tonight. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll have it. Maybe I should get a translator up here for the millennials. Uh, <laughs> All right, if, if you understood what I said, then you are Gen Z, right? Any Gen Zs in the house? If you are Gen Z, you were born between the years of 1996, 97 in South Africa up until 2012. Any Gen Zs? Ah, there we go. Well done. If you're born after that, you are in the wrong place. Uh, all right. So we're gonna keep it. Uh, we're gonna keep it really fun today because youth pastor most okay. So youth pastor vibes. But um, what I'm gonna do is we're gonna approach tonight in three in three ways. Okay. Um, and the first one I'm gonna do is give you a little bit of an overview of Gen Z. What are they really up to? What's going on? with this generation so that you can understand how we're going to consider multi-generational value in terms of understanding the next generation. Now, multi-generation is about more than just one generation, but we're going to have some fun tonight. Is, are you ready? Yeah. All right, so let's go quickly. Quick overview of Gen Z. What we're going to do is we're going to play a game where we're actually going to discover technology and convenience and what's happened in the generation. So what I need you to do is... Can anybody tell me what this is? Anybody? All right. What is this? Mapbook. Absolutely. What is the modern-day equivalent of a Mapbook? Yeah, absolutely. Well done. Waze. Yeah. I always say that Waze is the spiritual app because the Bible says, higher are your ways than my ways. All right. And all your ways. Who remembers this? Oh, yeah, Catherine, I see your hand. 
All right, Mnet open time. Now, I remember having to play out on the street. I was playing uh, cricket or soccer in the street. And at 5 p.m., I had to come in for dinner. And I would hear the start of loving Oigoli. <laughs> Anybody have the same memories? <laughs> yeah, I'm giving away my age, right? Modern day equivalent? Netflix. Yeah, Netflix. All right. We'll see what, what the impact is on the generations. But no, anybody know what this thing is? <laughs> if you had one of these things, you were either a doctor or somebody special, right? All right. For those of you who don't know what's going on, Gen Z's, I can see those blank looks. These are, <laughs> this is what we call a pager. A pager is a, you could receive a message on this thing wherever you are in the world. Imagine that. Yeah, that's true. It only said it only had a, a few characters, much like Twitter. Um, so, what's the modern-day equivalent? Anybody? WhatsApp. Mm, absolutely, text, mobile, WhatsApp. That's what you. It's the same thing. You can receive a text anywhere now. All right. All right. So, who remembers these? Yeah. <laughs> Just for the crossword puzzle. <laughs> yeah, the crossword. Absolutely. Um, now, this is interesting. Uh, on the cover of this page, Brad and, and, and Jennifer Aniston just got together. We had high hopes, right? <laughs> and Seventeen magazine in the back there. And that's where you went and got most of your fashion sense and all of the rest, right? What's the modern-day equivalent of finding out what celebrities are up to, finding fashion? Yeah, absolutely. Instagram, right? So... Let's, let's carry on. You guys are doing well. Who knows what this is? <laughs> All right. I told you. Yeah, and it actually did. Encyclopedia Britannica. Here's, here's what happened with Encyclopedia Britannica. You would either get this in the library. <laughs> we had a mobile library that came around us. You either get a, a li this in the library, or you would have to buy the books in sequence if you couldn't afford the entire set. This was the equivalent of, yeah, absolutely, Wikipedia, Google, right? It contained all the information you needed to know about any area that you could imagine. <laughs> yeah. How things have changed. Who remembers having to go get this at the corner store? Five cents. What I used to do is, I used to go and buy this, and if there was any change, I used to get Chappies or Wilson Blocks. Or, yeah, stock suites, all right. What do you think the modern-day equivalent of this is? Where do you get all our news? To? Twitter, absolutely. Absolutely. Or now it is known as X, okay? Um, so, that, that's interesting. But let's look at what all of these inventions of modern technology, what it caused in Gen Z, because... The general rule of thumb is that when you create a convenience, you lose some sort of human element. A car, the creation of a car meant that we didn't walk anywhere and we lost health, right? So let's go and look at some of the impact on the next generation. So what happened to Gen Z is when we stopped using Mac, Mac books, we lost, a lot of Gen Z lost this awareness of surroundings. Right? Any Gen Zs, yeah? Like, most Gen Z's know the next road next to them, or, but further than that, it's really hard <laughs> to, 
Right, Gen Zs? Any of you guys? What we also did is we stopped engaging with strangers or neighbors. And so the ability to spot threats or to spot people that were threatening got a little bit duller in the next generation. Because when you got lost or the map went from the one page off the page and you didn't know which page to go to next. <laughs> yeah, five, yeah, exactly. We had to ask somebody. But built into that was the ability to notice who was trustworthy. And that's the, just by looking at them. And that's gone missing in the generation. Let's see what else happened to Gen Z. Isolated entertainment. You see, when we had Mnet open time, we all had to watch one thing together on one screen. And as a result, when somebody in loving wanted to kiss the other one, the, your parents said, hey, what are you looking at? Was that anybody else's parents or just my mom? <laughs> so what happened is we lost the ability to make sure that we protect Gen Z from things that they shouldn't be seeing. Because now there's a screen everywhere and who knows who's watching what. There's ways to obviously manage that, but you can never get it as good as when we all watched Mnet open time together. Who remembers perfect strangers? Yeah. Right? All of those? Okay. <laughs> and now we are perfect strangers. Lost the ability to moderate content consumption. So this is what happened to the generation. Okay, next. The pressure to answer a message immediately. That's what happened. Because you see, when you got a beep on your beeper, it, you could determine whether it was urgent. And nobody was going to see whether you blue ticked them <laughs> or not. And so the next generation feels the anxiety of those messages piling up. And they feel the anxiety of having to sort out their emotions in order to respond to messages. Because if they don't, there's some sort of social engagement that's going to happen later with people saying, why are you ghosting me? What's, what's happening? And so message avoidance became emotional avoidance. Jeez. Do you feel for the generation a little bit? Yeah. All right. Here's what happened with this. In the Seventeen magazine and New magazine, there was obviously a pressure to conform to image. And we, we understand that, like trends, fa following fashion trends and stuff like that. But... Seventeen magazine and new magazine only came out once a week or once a month, which gave you the opportunity to catch up with trends. It gave you the opportunity to save up for trends because trends didn't move that quickly because nobody was aware of what's next. But I bought myself, I was going to buy myself Vans the other day and I realized, oh my goodness, Vans are out of fashion already. <laughs> right? Okay. I'm not knocking anybody with vans. You are. You, you're cool. You're cool to us. Okay, you're cool to us. All right. Yeah, there we go. Nice, nicely done, Greg. All right. What happened when we had information that we could trust that now became unvetted information that you can get from anywhere? We created a problem. Because now when conflict happens, we can't talk about the same information. We now have to add in another step of verifying source. So how do we know we come with the correct information? So Gen Z are in a space now where if something tells them theologically, they have to first go and Google, and then they have to check whether that source is 
legitimate. It's another step. So no wonder they're just accepting, or Gen Z is generally just accept information as it comes along, because it's too much work to go and vet something. Although when we had Vexycopedia Botanica, you could go to page 48, and you could, your friend could go to page 48, and we knew that we were working off the same hymn sheet, so to say. Right? So lost ability to verify information. So, here's what happened, and this is a really important one. When Twitter became the go-to for news, what happened with information was local information that could be contained now became a wildfire that could spread all over the world. You see, because when somebody fought in a school in Cape Town, only Cape Town knew about it. See, I mentioned Cape Town because that's where they fight. All right, I'm from Cape Town, so I can say that. But now what happened is, when somebody fights in a school, now we look at all of our schools. You see, when somebody did something on Twitter, now we look in our communities when it had nothing to do with us. And so what happened is, what's happening with Gen Z is, the, m the moment information can spread like wildfire to people that it doesn't affect, everybody can have an opinion. And so the court of public opinion develops cancel culture. Because obviously, never mind the ability to go viral for the wrong reasons. You might even just like something that you're not supposed to like. Is it any wonder that the generation's highly stressed, anxious, hyper-exposed? Was, there was one thing we were going to talk about is the access to things that you shouldn't be seeing online. Hyper-exposed, hyper-exposed to all kinds of ideas about sexual activity. And so much more easier to hide it. It's literally deleting history, isn't it? So we exposed the generation and we created convenience. Nobody meant to do it, but this is what's happened. And we have to be aware of it because this is about the value of multi-generation, right? So let me, let me bring some good news, all right? Because I see everybody's like, <laughs> all right, I see you in the shade there. Okay, engaging with Gen Z. Here's three things that Gen Z are asking. Who am I? They have an identity question. And that's not so strange because they have to find their identity amongst a whole bunch more people. You have to find your identity in your small community Comparing yourself against a smaller community, Gen Z have to compare themselves against the world. Apply for a job, now they're competing against people who don't even live near Santon, <laughs> if that's where the office is. So they're asking, how do I belong? Where do I fit in? And the last thing is, what difference can I make? Because they're so hyper-exposed to so many people who have so many talents, and you've got to stand out. That's a big task. Well, here's the good news. To engage them, all you've got to do is listen. Create a space where they can share their thoughts and ideas. Basically, the generation is saying, do you see me? That's all. Next one is, don't engage behavior. Rather than saying, why did you do that? Saying, who are you becoming? See, that's how we engage at youth. We go, wait, hang on, we're not. Behavior comes second. Who are you? Who are you becoming? Who are you becoming in Christ? Who is Jesus to you? See, because if you become like Jesus, the actions sort themselves out. So 
Step three, engage from a mentoring perspective. Guide and coach them. Yes, I talk about a concept called imitation distance. Imitation distance is come close enough so that I can see what you can do and can I imitate you. That concept is so powerful when you understand that even Jesus came closer to you so that you can see and mimic what he does. And so coming closer is engaging and mentoring the generation. All right, you made it through part one, so turn to somebody next to you and say, I didn't expect you to be awake. All right. Are you still with me? Because now what we're going to do is we're going to go and find some biblical foundations. Where do we find the multi-generational value in the Bible? All right? So we're going to go to uh, 1 Kings. But the, I like to think of the definition of multi-generational, and I'll be explaining why this is a value to every nation, right? Why this is a value in the Bible. And I, 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 I'm going to argue that you, this is actually a central theme in the Bible, the generations. It's about recognizing and appreciating the needs and strength of several generations. It's not just about youth and then kids. It's about the generation that's now and the generation that came before, right? So where do we find this in the scripture? All right, while we're going there, we're going to go turn to uh, 1 Kings. Um, won't you do me a favor? Who of you have watched a television show, movie, series, and a character has died unexpectedly. Can you think of one? Have you got it? Okay, so if you said, when Stefano Mira killed John Black, there's your age, it's gone. <laughs> All right, we know. If you said Mufasa in The Lion King, we feel you. Yeah, that was a, that was a hard one to take, right? If you said, sorry, Gen Z's, well, I might have spoiled something for you there. Um, no one is allowed to mention Grey's Anatomy, okay? Because everybody dies, <laughs> all right? Uh, if, you say, if you are thinking about Game of Thrones, don't tell anybody. <laughs> if, you said, if you are saying Dobby from Harry Potter, we're going to have an altar call for you later. I'm just, I'm just kidding, all right? But here's what I want you to say with me. Say, everybody dies. Say, so when you know you're going to pass, you should plan effectively for your departure. That's what multi-generational is about. Let's go and see. 1 Kings 2 and verse nine, 1 to 9. I'll read it for you. As the time drew near for David to die, he charged his son Solomon. I'm about to go the way of all the earth, so be strong and prove yourself a man. And keep charge of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and keep his statutes commandments, ordinances, and decrees. And as is written in the law of Moses, so that you may prosper in all you do, wherever you turn. Here's the real interesting verse. Verse 4, it says, And so that the Lord may fulfill his promise to me, if your descendants heed to walk faithfully before me with all their heart and soul, you will never fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. That's very interesting. We'll come back to it. Let's go to verse 5 quickly. All right? Are you still with me? And moreover, you know that Jacob, the son of Zeruiah, did to me what he did to Abner, the son of Ner, and Amasa, the son of Jether. 
the two commanders of the armies of Israel. He killed them in peacetime to avenge the blood of war, and he, and he stained the blood of war, the belt around his waist and the sandals on his feet. So according to your wisdom, say your wisdom, and do not let his gray hair head go down to Sheol in peace, but show loving devotion to the sons of Barzillia, the Gilead, and let them be among those who eat at your table. Because they stood by me when I fled from your brother Absalom. We'll, we'll, we'll pause it there for a second. What's happening here? Right? The previous verse, what happened is, David says to Solomon, it's, he actually passes over authority to him. He says, you're going to be the king. And so I'm passing over authority to you. All right? What else he does is, he transfers this authority by saying, Hey, you know what? In verse 4, the promise that God made to me, actually, God meant to fulfill it in your generation. That means that some promises God gives to you is actually for... The next thing David does is this. He says, these guys were unfair to me, and these guys were unjust to me, so you've got to do this. Then he says... These guys actually treated me well, so take it easy on them. And he asks Solomon to effect justice in his generation. Why didn't David do it himself in his own generation? Here's the principle. The principle here is that the fulfillment of justice falls to the next generation when no justice can be found in the one who suffered it. Do you understand how this multi-generational God works? It doesn't end with you. Let's read one more scripture, and then we'll unpack a little bit more. 1 Kings 5 and verse 3. Solomon say, asks Hiram. Now, Hiram is a woodworker. He's going to build, help Solomon build a temple. This is the fulfillment of the promise. To who? David. In the next generation. So this Solomon says, you know, David, my father, could not build a house. You know that David, my father, could not build a house for the name of the Lord, his God, because of the warfare with which his enemies surrounded him, until the Lord God put them under the soles of his feet. But now the Lord God has given me rest on every side. There is neither adversary nor misfortune. So I intend to build a house for the name of the Lord, as the Lord God said to David, my father, your son, whom I will set on the throne in your place, shall build the house for my name. All right, so here's, here's what happened. David transferred three things to the next generation. He transferred authority. He said, here you go, you're the king. Got it? Then he transferred mandate. He said, right, here's how you've got to affect justice. This is what we do. This is how we do it. And this is what you're going to have to affect, things that I couldn't do. But this is the mandate. This is how you've got to keep the kingdom in line. Right, you got it? Then he transferred material things. And that's what multi-generational is about. It's about transferring authority, mandate, and material things. And I'm going to show you in a second that Jesus did exactly the same thing. He said, all authority was given unto me. And then he said, now you go. It was a transference of authority. That's the responsibility, is to transfer authority. But here's here's the thing. The most important of these two is authority and mandate. Agree? I hear some nods. 
So here's the thing. If you transfer authority but not mandate and material resources, you create authoritarianism. That's just position. People who just receive authority will use their position to oppress others. If you just transfer authority to the next generation, guess who they're going to become? If you transfer mandate but not authority and material resources, you enable religious extremism. In other words, I am only here to fulfill a mandate by any means possible. If you transfer material things but not mandate or authority, you enable entitlement. See, the multi-generational value is about understanding that the most important of these is authority and mandate. But material transfer is part of it. If you just transfer material things, you create what is known as by Gen Z as a Karen. <laughs> <laughs> What's the, what's the male equivalent of Karen? Gen Z's help me. What is it? What is it? A Kevin. I, I don't know. What is it? Okay. No offense to any Kevins out there. They all can. All right. So write this down for me quickly. Or make note of this. Authority and power is for distribution. Anyone who holds onto authority and power and mandate and material wealth becomes a dictator. Well, you see, that's where Solomon got it wrong. I'll show you in a second. Because Solomon was the generation that got handed power, authority, material wealth. And we know that he grew that. He sought wisdom. He didn't seek material wealth, so God blessed him. But the thing is, he didn't look to pass it on. He looked to collect it. You see, so very easily you can become the generation that holds on to the freedom you were given after apartheid. And not use it to help the generation. You can become a generation that invests in the completely wrong things if you hold it and you look not to pass it on. That's what happened to Solomon. Let's, I'll prove it to you. Ecclesiastes 2, Ecclesiastes 2 verse 4 to 11 says, I hated all for which I had toiled under the sun because... Interesting. He hated all that he had gotten because he resented handing it. So let me help you understand this. Jesus never built a building. Do you know that? Because he was more concerned in transferring authority mandate to people. He transferred material as well. well. We'll see it in a second. But know this, all true leaders in the Bible focus on people. Yeah. We're still talking about multi-generational here. See, true legacy is in people, not projects. Programs, not buildings. Now, that doesn't mean you don't have to build buildings. We build buildings to build people, yeah. right? And every building you build should produce people who are leaders. People are more important than buildings. Jesus never built a building in his name. God, good leaders employ others to fulfill positions in buildings, but great leaders deploy others to build the kingdom. All right, we're into the meat of it. All right. Are you learning something? Yes. All right. 
So turn to somebody and say, <laughs> I like that. Turn to somebody and say, pass it on. Okay, we're in the last part now. So transferable faith. Can you say it with me? Transferable faith. <laughs> All right. There are three kinds of faith. And we're still talking about multi-generational. And we're going to show you in a second how Jesus passed on and had multiple generations in mind. Abstract faith. What is abstract faith? That's faith without any religion. And we see this quite often now. It's only orthodoxy. It's people that say, I'm a person of faith. I pray to the universe. You know these people? I do, I do yoga. <laughs> they merely have an abstract faith. They believe in the man upstairs. Heard that phrase? Right? An abstract faith. Then you get ceremonial faith. And I want you to check which one is most prevalent in the generations. Ceremonial faith says, I acknowledge that there are ceremonies, religious activities that I have to do, weddings, baby dedications, you know. Uh, but basically, I'm just participating in the ceremony because that's what I'm supposed to do. Right? And I'm just ticking the box. I'm coming to church. I must come to church. Right? Ceremonial faith. Then there's personal faith. See, personal faith is alive to you. That's when you are living motivation. You don't have to be motivated by your emotions. It's real to you. The relationship with the Lord is real to you. And that's the faith that we must look to transfer. Because from generation to generation, one of these kinds of faith get transferred. So which one is it? that helps the next generation. I see a lot of ceremonial faith being transferred. And you have responsibility to make it personal because you've got to pass that over to the generation. <laughs> 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 1 verse 5 says, I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that was first in thy grandmother Lois and then thy mother Eunice. That sounds multi-generational to me. See, Jesus made this statement that shows transferable faith. He said, Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then he said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you to the end of the age. See, he said, all authority was given unto me, and then he gave it away. So he transferred personal faith and then he said, two things here you can see that were transferred. Can you spot it? Authority, mandate. And then he transferred material as well because he said to Peter, yes, yes, you have the church, and on this rock I'll build my church, right? He transferred them. So leadership is measured by how many people serve you. So, so you serve, not how many people serve you. So that's why you've got to transfer faith. Because your responsibility as a generation before is to transfer into somebody, not into a building. Managers think of the next position. Leaders think of the next generation. Can you do this as the generation that's going ahead? Can you invite somebody from the next generation to an exco meeting? Can you expose them to something 
in your world? Can you do that? Because who knows the Mount of Transfiguration? Right? You know that whole story in the Bible? Jesus took three people with him. Why? He exposed them to a meeting. It's about transferable faith. So if you want to learn, if, if you learned in your life to succeed or achieve a company, whatever you succeed or whatever you accomplish, if it dies with you, then you failed. Because if you are successful, it means you have a success, sir. And there's a succession plan. Come on, you're figuring out how success works. Come on. Well done. The measure of a good product. Okay, we're still talking about multi-generational values. The measure of a good product, right, is if you can produce it again. <laughs> you make the same thing and it still works. That's good, right? With the same success. So can we talk about the fact that we don't like to reproduce anymore? The world doesn't want to reproduce anymore. And I'm not talking about... Uh, we, Pastor Shola say, shared a message with us about fatherhood. Remember that, that message, right? And he shared that if you produce it again, it's not about being a seed donor. It's not, it's not about the biological aspect of sowing seed. It's about producing a generation that you can transfer faith to. That's what it's about. So how about we reproduce? Okay, John 16 and verse 7 says, um, Nevertheless, I like this about Jesus. Because what he does is he says, Great, now the, you understand the responsibility is that I'm passing it over you. Then he says, That's great, now I'm going. <laughs> he says, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. To whose advantage? Yes, yeah, your advantage. The next generation's advantage that we go away. Like we said at the beginning, you've got to plan for your departure. He says in John 14 verse 12, greater works will you do. Read it there. Greater works than these will you do because I'm, what? The point of multi-generational faith is that you create no more Dependency on yourself, because you've got to go away. <laughs> That's the point of multi-generational faith. Matthew 17 and verse 7, 17, Jesus complains to the disciples. They, they try to cast out a demon, and uh, they couldn't get it right, and people come to complain to him and say, your disciples couldn't cast out a demon. The first thing he says, it doesn't address the people who had the problem. The first thing he does is address the disciples and says, how long must I still be? You're supposed to do it. You're supposed to do better than I. Why must I still be here? <laughs> Proverbs says, 13 verse 22 says, A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. All right, before we go there, here's what I want to highlight to you. When Jesus left, that's when his ministry exploded. 
It's when he stepped away. That's when things went everywhere. And how amazing is it that most scholars believe that the disciples were teenage years, in their teenage years. Some of them were. He empowered the next generation, gave them authority, gave them mandate, and then he said, great, cheers. <laughs> All right, here's what I want to show you. A good man leaves the inheritance to his children's children, but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. Let me show you this. A good man leaves his inheritance to his children's children, but the sinner's wealth is, is what? It's stored up. A sinner stores up. But who is it laid up for? Why? Because the righteous know how to. That's what that, that's what that verse means. So we're still talking about multi-generation. We're almost done. Don't worry. Knock somebody next to you and say, wake up, man. <laughs> All right. God's promises are not aimed at one generation. If you read the Bible carefully, God is not speaking to you. He's speaking to future generations. You are only a steward of God's promises. Yeah. Be a good steward. <laughs> it's one of my favorite scriptures, by the way. All right. Let me, let me close with this. I hope you've learned a lot this evening. Um, Lenny, can you come up here just for a second? I, I said to Lenny, I'm not going to choose him, but that's why I'm choosing him. Let me show you something. Your faith journey. Stand aside for me, Lenny. Can we give Lenny a hand? He's... Uh, Your faith journey is not a sprint. It is a marathon relay. Let me show you this uh, illustration, right? Lenny, I want you to pretend that you are in a relay, right? Okay, just pause right there. Is Lenny looking at me? All right. He is in the position to receive something from me, okay? I'm the generation before. He's the next generation the generation are merely going to put out their hands. They're already expecting to receive what you got. That's the perfect position for them to receive. If he turns back, he loses speed. <laughs> and he has to wait for me. So the next generation are already expecting to receive. But what's the most important part about this relay race? is that I hand over the baton. Here's what happens, Lenny. Just let go of that for a second. He wants it, yeah. He want, all right. He wants authority. He wants, okay, all the, all the other things. If I drop this baton, what happens to the race? If you drop the baton, everybody's disqualified. And the race has to start again. That's why the most important thing is not how fast you run. It's not, it's not how good you look while you run. It's not how much money you have accumulated while you've run all the way here. It's how well you pass it over. Because that's what the race is about. Well done, Lenny. 
A bigger round of applause for Lenny. We're going to close with this. Imagine Lenny stood here and I handed over the baton and I didn't let go. I would slow Lenny down. He would get frustrated, the baton would drop, and nobody wins the race. But if you transfer it, everybody wins. In a relay race, everybody wins if you can transfer the baton. Now, sometimes you're going to have to hold a little bit until he gets a grip, and that's okay. But the point is, let go. So will the next generation have to pry a baton out of your hands in your casket? Or will you let it go? Don't be like Solomon in Ecclesiastes, where he says, I hated everything that I got because I got to let it go. Be like Jesus. He thought multi-generationally. He said, in Pro- or Proverbs said, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's. That's called multi-generational. And that's the God we serve. We're going to end with that there. I hope you learned something this evening. I want to pray for, for a couple of people just before, before we end and before CJ comes up. Um, I want to pray because sometimes what happens is we don't get handed the baton well. Some of us missed out on that baton. And so we feel like we're running the wrong way, trying to find the baton. Where did it go? Some of us got handed some really bad battens. But the Lord wants you to run your race because it starts now with you and you get to pass over something. You see, you've got to pass something better on. And so I want to pray for those people who feel like, man, nobody passed anything on to me. Because it can start with you. And it's your job if you're in the kingdom. We serve a multi-generational God. So let's close our eyes for a second. Uh, CJ, can you come up? Father, I thank you that you have generations in mind when you look at those sitting over here. Father, I pray that no seed will be robbed of this generation. Father, I thank you that they will receive and hold on to the value that they have responsibility to pass on faith. Because that's who we are. Because that's who our Father is. Father, I pray for those who feel like the baton hadn't come their way. Hand them a baton, Father God. I pray that this generation pass on personal faith. That it goes to the thousandth generation, that their families and their children and their children and their children might receive the blessing from the obedience that this generation had. Thank you, Lord, that we are part of a multi-generational church. Father, I pray, heal the hurt and build the bridges 
in Jesus' name. Somebody said, Amen. Amen.